Today on the 1012 Podcast, we're talking softball with Leah Nelson and Eric Lopez. Does Texas, Oklahoma State, or BYU earn our team of the week for week one? Plus, we look ahead to Texas, Oklahoma State, and UCF out in Florida for the Clearwater Invitational with Amanda Scarborough of ESPN. And which Big 12 school that doesn't have softball should? We'll answer that question as well. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show. The 1012 Network. Find every show on the network at 1012network.com. Plus, we are partners with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. Happy belated Valentine's Day to everyone. Uh, or I used to have a really like cheesy, I was uh, singles awareness day was what I used to call it. I did to call it that when I had girlfriends at the time. Now that I'm married, I'm just like, it's whatever. Like you can't make jokes like that around five and under kids. Cause then they don't understand the joke. And then you have to explain the joke to small children. And I, you know, sometimes there's just, you learn as you get older that their battles not worth fighting. <laughs> so, uh, Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Uh, this is Thursday, which means that we are here to talk Big 12 softball. Joining me, as they will every week, uh, my much smarter and much more illustrious co-host. Uh, she is Iowa State softball legend. Legend. <laughs> legend. Good grief. Leah Nelson. <laughs> that too. Whatever. You can call me whatever. Yeah, I'm super excited for this week. Lots to talk about, so it should be fun. We have very much to talk about. And he is the voice of UCF softball and host of the In the Circle podcast, the best college softball podcast. There is Eric Lopez. I, hey, listen, if I'm going to do post-Valentine, this is the two people I wanted to hang out with. Right here, talking softball. Now let's go. Right in the heart. Right there. I can feel I can feel the love. I can. Uh, okay, we've got, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to kind of set our format through the non-conference here, kind of the way we're going to do this until conference play starts. Obviously, once conference play starts, schedules change, and we'll kind of refocus the way we're going to do this. But let's start off by kind of general thoughts on, on the opening weekend in the Big 12. And, and let me just say this. I don't think it was a bad weekend for the Big 12 by, by any means. I think it was a solid, uh, solid weekend. When you have three, four teams with a perfect opening weekend, including three teams who go five and zero oh in Oklahoma State, Texas, and BYU, that's a solid weekend. You had another couple teams who only suffered one loss on the weekend in Houston and UCF, but it's it's kind of hard not to feel like the weekend was 
a little bit disappointing because of how many opportunities it feels like were just there and just missed. Texas Tech with a losing and walk-off fashion to Florida State in a game in which they gave Florida State their all. Kansas having some very close games against some quality teams. Iowa State struggling against really good competition. It just, Baylor, their weekend going from three games in three days against Tennessee to two games in one and a third game getting rained out and losing both. It just, it feels like there were a lot of opportunities for the Big 12 to really stake a claim for a great season in week one that just slipped through their fingers. And we came away with teams that you feel good about and a conference you feel, okay, we've still got a lot to learn about all of them. Yeah, I think there's still a lot to be excited about. I mean, like you said, four teams with a perfect record, especially like BYU coming out, even even being down by what? It was 8-0 to in the first inning and coming back to win something crazy like 17-8 or correct me if I'm wrong, but some insane score. Um but yeah, it's really it's really frustrating when there's such close games, um, especially with those Kansas and Texas Tech teams that are kind of like in the middle to the lower pack of the Big 12. Uh, but there's still some exciting things to to look forward to. And like you said, not a horrible, horrible start to Big 12 softball. Wow, this is negativity, Wevel here. Right, <laughs> Can we get back to Valentine or get some hearts here? Look, let me let me let me defend Craig Snyder and Texas Tech a little bit. Going to Tallahassee, tough place to play. Gave Florida State all they can handle. Scored a ton of runs against them. They did come back and beat Charlotte, who I think has got a good chance to win the Americans. I don't think it was all lost for Texas Tech. Right. I think they're still building building there i thought that was actually an encouraging weekend for texas tech where i will agree with you is kansas Uh, i spoke to jennifer mcfalls this is a big year they have put themselves out there as far as this is the year for us and they had a chance to beat indiana couldn't hold the lead losing a game there gets a what a draw a a draw against uh, western kentucky Mm -hmm. lose Mm -hmm. to south florida in tampa not the ideal start from a depth standpoint for kansas I think for them, that's probably of all the teams in the Big 12, that's probably the team that's been the, mo- the most frustrated team of the week is from that standpoint. So I think, you know, Texas Tech is still building. I actually think they, there's some positives there that they can carry moving forward, whereas Kansas, they know these first couple weeks are critical to them for building a resume and that confidence before you get it, before you know it, conference play starts. I appreciate you bringing the love today. That's just, a, <laughs> it's a good thing. That's a good thing. In fact, you know what we're going to do the rest of this way? We're just going to show a love to Big 12 players and teams. Let's start off by talking about our candidates for player of the week in the Big 12 this past weekend. Everyone, you have an opportunity to pitch who you want to 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 put out there as Big 12 player of the week from our end, and then we can kind of come to a general consensus on who we think who do we think that winner is. Eric, who you're up first. Who do you think was player of the week in the Big 12 this week? Got to go to Texas. I got to go with Miss Atwood, who was unbelievable. (laughs) I mean, my goodness, she put up video game numbers. Leah, you know, you played the sport. Her numbers were obscene. I mean, we talk about, I mean, UCLA, I can tell you, doesn't want any part of the Big 12 anytime soon anymore after what Texas and Oklahoma State did. But I think Atwood setting the stage for Texas, who made a significant statement this week uh, as a team that is a major, major player uh, not just in the Big 12, but in the national landscape for the national title. And I think Atwood could be, you know, she was a, their best power hitter last year. She might be taking the next step. 
I'm going to just jump right in there because I had Atwood as well. Um, I mean, I have to agree with Eric and Big 12 uh, softball, who she was now ranked or she's now uh, Big 12 player of the week. I mean, uh, let's just talk about some numbers. 11 for 15 on the weekend, 11 hits, 12 RBIs, 22 total bases, home run against UCLA um, to break a OO tie. Um, and then they end up winning, what, three to two. Just like, like Eric said, crazy numbers that you just don't see. And for opening weekend, pretty incredible. I I can't argue here. <laughs> like, I'm I want to I'm gonna put out two names just because I I don't want this to be uh, a sweep. I don't want to don't don't acknowledge some other people. Um, Oklahoma has done it again. I think they found a star in the making in freshman Cassidy Pickering. Uh, she started off her career at OU with a grand slam in her first at bat on her route to three hits and four at bats and six RBI in Oklahoma's two uh, two and O first day and three and O win over Duke, uh, number eight Duke at the time. So I, I want to put out Cassidy Pickering for her performance. And look, we talk all the time about pitching and, and offense, and we don't talk about defense nearly as much. I'm going to shout out Shannon Doherty from UCF, who was, frankly, the best defensive performance of the weekend of anybody. Uh, Perfect fielding percentage. uh, Three double plays, which leads the Big 12. Uh, 38 pickoffs. That's the right word? Is it pickoffs? P.O.? Sure. I think that's right. Um, I'm trying to learn some of the abbreviation terminology, which led the Big 12 with 38 of those. So, like, I think I want to shout out a couple other players. I'm going to give a shout out to Shannon Doherty. Gonna give a shout out to Cassidy Pickering, but it's, I mean, y'all it's, 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 it's a runaway. I mean, she was the big 12 player of the week, um, Reese Atwood and the NFCA player of national player of the week. So like, it's, I think we all agree it's Reese Atwood this week. What she did this weekend was incredible. And part of why I think we're probably going to have to agree on the team of the week, Leah, I'll let you go first this time. Who is your team of the week of the Big 12? Team of the week, definitely Texas. I mean, some crazy numbers. 19-0 and against San Diego. Obviously, UCLA 3-2. Came back to beat San Diego again, 16-1. UCLA 16-0. LMU 10-2. Just crazy games to start it off. Uh, they just look so solid. I don't know, like, to come out and be five and oh, but have those kind of scores is just insane, let alone against UCLA. And, uh, and it's just exciting to see that they move up to three in the rankings. I mean, hopefully they can, you know, Oklahoma and Texas can be one and two in the next couple of weeks, but yeah, Texas definitely team of the week for sure. Well, I'm not going to argue with Texas. Everything she, you said, Leah is correct, but I'm going to go a different direction here. Oklahoma state had so many questions last week. Young group, Kenny guy, I don't know what I got. Oh, woe is us. You know, it could be some struggles. Undefeated week, and they run-rolled Texas. I mean, they pounded him right before the kickoff of the Super Bowl, uh, which was watching. It had a good TV audience, by the way. Lexi Kilfoyle was fantastic. Their pitching, your young players were good. I got to say, Oklahoma State impressed me. I know that UCLA's got some issues, but Oklahoma State, Think about this. They played Texas right after Texas got run ruled sixteen nothing. So you know UCLA, UCLA. You right. You know UCLA is going to come out ready to play after losing sixteen nothing to Texas. And Oklahoma State run ruled them nine to one. Impressive day start for Kenny Gajewski in Oklahoma State. I did not anticipate that uh, being them looking that good early. Both are solid candidates. I I 
Texas handed UCLA their worst home loss in program history. And then Oklahoma State turns around and gets their first run rule victory on the road at a top 10 team. UCLA doesn't want to see their Big 12 team. Spoilers, they they will this weekend. Uh, I think both are viable candidates. I, I think I agree on Texas. We could talk about consensus in a second, but I'm going to go ahead and throw in BYU because they were kind of the surprise team for me this weekend who also went 5-0. It's tough to go 5-0 in a weekend. So you mentioned it. Started the day, started their weekend getting down 0-8 to eight in the first inning against Kansas City and then had a six-inning run rule, 17-8 uh, to eight over Kansas City. The biggest thing for me was this. Getting the win over Ole Miss later that day, seven to four. If we just look at the RPI from last year, that win over Ole Miss this year would have been the best win they had all of last year. So to me, BYU is already off to a better start this year than they were last season. On a team that I had a lot of questions about coming into the Big 12, how are they going to look? How are they going to compete? They've been kind of slipping the past couple seasons. To have the 5-0 and weekend they did in the win over Ole Miss, and Ole Miss, I, I'm not picking Ole Miss to finish the top half of the SEC, but I don't care. To get that win and hand the SEC one of its only five losses all of opening weekend, good grief. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and add BYU here to our list of, of Team of the Week candidates. BYU was on my list as well. It was Texas BYU just because – I don't know. Opening weekend can be you know, all your nerves. You're traveling, doing all the, you know, the softball things and to come out five and oh, like you said, and then be down eight to zero in the first inning. And then to be able to put your pride, a pride aside and then be able to come back and run with them. I just think that's incredible. Insane. Kudos to them. I'm so glad that you mentioned BYU because I don't know. That's just some crazy stuff. Well, I'll say this with BYU, they got that win over Ole Miss, you know, the win that Kansas didn't get, the win that Texas Tech didn't get. You know, if you're looking for this league to be more than a five bid league, you know, if you want to get six or seven teams, BYU got took a good first step by beating Ole Miss. That's a game that could uh, be significant down the road there for Brigham Young, and they're going to go out west. So they got a chance to build on that. BYU helping Leah's uh, prediction of nine teams in the postseason come to a reality. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I, BYU is a great candidate. Oklahoma State's a good candidate. But with what Texas did in opening weekend, I think it's hard to not say Texas was the team of the week with the way they looked. And a Texas no team that I think we all, everyone had high expectations for this year. We can set the fact that UCLA may not be very good aside. What Texas did to UCLA, I don't care what's going on at UCLA to do what they did to UCLA in LA at their home field. Texas, the anticipation for Red River is already getting. Well, and then they destroyed, by the way, they destroyed LMU right after. I know that's like, well, what's the big deal? LMU is an NCAA tournament team. And they, I mean, they were consistent across the board offensively. I think they've made up a lot of ground to Oklahoma. The question is how much ground We'll find out down the road, but they do host Oklahoma. But, man, that's a great start for Texas. Uh, couldn't ask for a better start for the Longhorns. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so let's look ahead to this week ahead. Uh, I forgot to tease this off the top. I'll tease this here. Obviously, this weekend is one of the biggest weekends in softball. I think the biggest weekend outside of just, like, postseason play, which is Clearwater Invitational in Florida. Amanda Scarborough of ESPN is going to join us here in a little bit to preview the three Big 12 teams participating in Clearwater this weekend. She will be calling 
at least one game for all three Big 12 teams, Oklahoma State, Texas, and UCF. Fantastic interview. She's very knowledgeable. She's had to do so much prep work to talk about 13 of the 16 teams over a four-day weekend, five-day spread. Fantastic interview. So stick around for that coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, We got to look ahead to this weekend. Obviously, Clearwater, you could just pick anything on OSU, Texas, or UCF's weekend schedule as your game of the week. There are other ones as well we're going to try and touch on at least a little bit. Uh, Eric, what do you have as the game this weekend that you're most excited to see? Well, I'm going to be out there, so I'm looking forward to seeing it in person, live weather permitting, of course. There's a forecast of rain on the weekend. Let's keep the Mother Nature away for a few days. Uh, I want to see Oklahoma State, if, they could, if this continues, this momentum. They're going to play LSU who's coming off five shutouts opening weekend by their pitching staff by five different pitchers. Uh, They're going to play Georgia, who is a team that was my pick to get to the World Series and be perhaps playing for the national championship. So I want to see this Oklahoma State team see if they build on that momentum they did out west into Clearwater. And if they do, and if they do, if they play really well and have a successful Clearwater weekend, holy macros, this Big 12 loaded at that point with Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State. And I, I still believe in Baylor, despite the setback to Tennessee. But, man, if Oklahoma State plays well this weekend, then uh, Kenny gaieski has got to be feeling pretty good about things. Let me ask you, I just want to piggyback off that. What would you call a successful weekend for Oklahoma State in Clearwater? <laughs> I think you have a winning record in Clearwater. You're, that's a success. That's a massive success. It is not easy. If, if remember, 2022, Texas went winless. I believe they went 0-6 now, and they regrouped from that. So it's not the end of the world if you don't have a great weekend in Clearwater. But the reason I'm saying, if Oklahoma State were to have a winning record in Clearwater with that young group, then the sky, I mean, look out. They, they might be just as good as if ever before. Maybe they have a chip on the shoulder. Maybe they're playing with, hey, people don't believe in us. People think we're not any good without Kelly Maxwell. People like Eric Lopez don't think they can host this year. I mean, they're just using all of us for, for material. So uh, Kenny knows what he's doing. Uh, I'm really fascinated to see how they match up in Clearwater because I know what I'm getting in Texas. I know what I'm – obviously, I should know what I'm getting in UCF. I see them all the time. But I really want to see what Oklahoma State brings against some of the tough competition they're about to see in Clearwater. Yeah, they've they've got uh, Georgia and Wisconsin on Friday, LSU and Northwestern on Saturday, and Georgia Tech on Sunday. All right, Leah, what's your game of the week this weekend? I'm really pumped with after everything we've talked about to watch Texas and Tennessee. I mean, my game of the week last week was Baylor and Tennessee. I want to see a big 12 team take out those bowls. Uh, I mean, Oh, I hope Texas can just keep this momentum going. It's really fun to watch them. Uh, like I said earlier in this episode, I want, you know, next week, Oklahoma and Texas to be one and two in the rankings. Um, I think that just looks so good for big 12 softball. Um, and I'm just excited to see, obviously they put a beat down on UCLA, but I want to see if they can put a beat down on Tennessee. Texas having Tennessee and Stanford both on Friday back to back. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Tennessee is 5 PM central time. Turn around and play the best pitcher in softball for Stanford at 8 PM central time. Like that is uh, that is a test right there. Mm-hmm. That is an absolute. If they go, if I'm just gonna say, if Texas goes two and zero, oh my that gosh! Slate, after what they did to UCLA, 
The only reason OU stays number one is because they're on a 57 game win. Right. Correct. 1,000 at that point. Right. Yeah. Would just be no one. No one's going to touch what Texas has as far as a resume goes. Uh, And that's along with having North Carolina, Kentucky and Northwestern also set up across Saturday and Mm -hmm. Sunday. So Texas Friday. (laughs) So many good choices. Um, Look, I I don't disagree with any of those. I'm going to highlight a couple other because I want to I want to get some of the other games. Obviously. Clearwater, it's just starting Thursday, even with Big 12 games not playing, just put the TV on to the ESPN channels and, and leave it on and sit back and watch all day. Um, BYU is heading out to Tempe uh, for the Littlewood Classic. They'll play Arizona State on Thursday, but they're going to get a shot at Virginia Tech on Friday, which is a ranked team now. They had a very uh, a very solid opening weekend. This is BYU's biggest test of the non-conference, what they have on their schedule. This is a big opportunity for BYU. They they impressed us with the win against Ole Miss. I'm interested to see what they do against Arizona State at Arizona State, even though Arizona State had a an okay opening weekend. Virginia Tech's a big opportunity for BYU to get themselves the kind of win that really cements them as a Big 12 contender in year one for me and as a postseason contender. And so I, I'm very interested in that game. I think that's a big opportunity for BYU and for the Big 12. A couple other ones of note, uh, Kansas missed all their opportunities before. They got they missed, they lost against Indiana. They've got three more Big 10 teams this weekend in Ohio State, Iowa, and Penn State, who started a fantastic 5-0 and last weekend. Kansas has Penn State. That is a big opportunity for Kansas. The opportunities are still there for them. And then Baylor, look, they're going to have three games against Tennessee. Now you're going to get three games at Louisiana. I love that. It is a big series for Baylor. Big series. Because you don't want to dig yourself a hole, even though it's early. 0-2 against Tennessee. Now you go to Louisiana. If you drop, let's say, 2-3, get swept there. 0-5, that's a slow start for a team that has high expectations. That's the one I like from outside of Clearwater. Yeah, no, I, I Baylor, Louisiana. I think that is a. I love that Baylor doing these three game series mm-hmm. with these kinds of programs. It's setting up a very good non conference. And I, I look, I, I would pick Baylor to win that series if you ask me right now. Like I, I think at worst it's two and one. We'll certainly see. It's a big opportunity for Baylor. So plenty of great games to keep an eye on this weekend. I mean, so many opportunities. And we didn't even just name them all. I'm like Oklahoma, Oklahoma doesn't have anybody that should beat them this weekend, but I'll at least be intrigued to see them play Central Arkansas for a couple of games. Uh, UCF's lineup at Clearwater. I, I would argue, Eric, and, I, and I, I didn't go into this question specifically with Amanda, but I, I feel like UCF got, I don't want to say the easiest draw of the Big 12 teams that will be there, but maybe. Like I'm, I don't think they have the gauntlet that Texas and, and Oklahoma State have this weekend. Maybe not, but Kentucky's off to a fantastic start. They beat Stanford twice, so and they got their healthy pitcher Schoonover, so they're not easy. UCLA is going to be motivated. I, I expect we're we're going to learn a lot about UCLA I, after the embarrassment they had last weekend. Northwestern with the big news of Jordy Ball out for the year with a torn ACL. Now a Big Ten's wide open for teams like Northwestern, who's a very young ball club. Look, this is an important weekend week for UCF from that standpoint because they go to Nutter after that. So this is a big two-week gauntlet for UCF. They have a I, I think Nutter is a much stiffer competition on paper with Tennessee, Oregon a Mississippi State team that run-ruled Louisiana this week. 
So you're right. I, you know, I think UCF's got to have a good weekend in Clearwater North, but you never know. Uh, Wisconsin's off to a very good start. So what's quote looks like an easy schedule in Clearwater. Trust me from somebody who's been covering that tournament since 2020, this is where teams surprise uh, a team like Wisconsin a couple of years ago came into Clearwater and shocked a lot of people. So I, I just don't, with the way the schedules work out, there's no gimmies in this league. But you're right, UCF, big opportunity for them, especially that Sunday night game being on ESPN against UCLA with my buddy Scarborough, who uh, I'm glad you got to talk to. She's uh, she's the best, to, to me, the best analyst in the sport when it comes to softball. And used to play in the back then in the big eight days when A&M was in the league. So uh, big opportunity for UCF to make a statement early on. All right. I, I apologize if I said it was easy. There's no such thing as easy at Clearwater. I would say compared to others. But look, it is a big opportunity for UCF. They they scheduled hard last year in non-conference, and it didn't go well. They had a lot of very close losses, a lot of walk-off losses, a lot of one-run losses. They've scheduled a very difficult non-conference again, and I think this is a, a big opportunity weekend for them with North Carolina, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Northwestern, and again, that UCLA game right there. I mean, it's, that's all eyes on you on Sunday night on ESPN. So, great opportunity for them. Sarah Willis, give her a shout-out. She had a great start to the season. We got two wins through four perfect innings in the win over Georgia State. Uh, could be one of the best pitchers. I think the Big 12, you know, we, Kelly Maxwell, you got Lexi Kilfoy, you got the Baylor pitchers. Chloe Temples did very well for BYU. We're going to see some great pitchers in this league uh, and Sarah Willis might be among them that they'll get to be showcased this weekend in Clearwater there. All right. Uh, we're going to get to Amanda, but I, I got to ask you guys this before we do. I've had been talking about softball. Obviously, we've been posting episodes of the show, reacting to stuff on Twitter, and we've had some Big 12 fans kind of reacting back. And I've seen some Kansas State fans who are sad that they don't have softball. They want to know why. West Virginia fans obviously have the Cycloneers, as Leah is very well aware of. Uh, West Virginia fans who I say, you know, West Virginia is sad that they don't have softball. And, of course, we have a couple who are like, no, we do. Yeah. We, have, we have a softball team. They're located up in Ames. So here's my question to wrap this up with you. There are 10 current Big 12 programs with softball. There will be 11 after Oklahoma, Texas leave, and Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah join the conference. That will leave Colorado, TCU, Cincinnati, Kansas State, and West Virginia without a softball program. If you could gift one of those Big 12 schools a softball program, which one would it be? I'll go first. (laughs) You win. I have to pick West Virginia because I think they promised me a head coaching position if they ever got a softball team. (laughs) Am I qualified to do that? No. Would I still apply? Yes. I think it would be a blast. It would be, it'd be sad to see them start cheering for their own softball team, but I think it would just be so cool to have them have one for once. I think at least first base coach Leah Nelson it's not a bad thing. Right. That would That's work. I think great. I think they would just let me do it. And so yes, I I actually love that question. That's so fun. Well, I don't have a coaching job waiting for <laughs> this. But I will say TCU, just because it's kind of crazy to me that there's no softball program in Dallas as far as major pro like Dallas market. Like it's an easy flight. Like who wouldn't want to go to Dallas? You know, we could go to, you know, every other market pretty much has, for the most part, uh, I would go with TCU and just for that Dallas market uh, for softball to go with Houston and go with, you know, obviously Lubbock, Texas and Waco, Texas. But I, I think 
TCU, uh, give me some Dallas love there. Give me a reason to go to Dallas. I like that. I like that. I'll say this. Um, I, I'm very torn between Kansas State and West Virginia because I think both fan bases would be happy to have softball. I think both fan bases would be happy to support softball and would and would do so well. Also, Sunflower Showdown in softball would be so much fun. Like, come on. Come on. I, I think I think Kansas State and West Virginia make the most sense as far as fan bases that would absolutely get behind a softball team on campus and be there to cheer and get rowdy and, and, and really enjoy themselves. So uh, a lot of fun. So West Virginia fans, Kansas State fans, if you are listening, which I hope you are, like you can still root for Kansas State fans can root against Kansas. Like you can just do that, chum in, listen. We can, you know, it's fine. That's a reason to support everybody else. Um, okay. Amanda Scarborough coming up. Very excited to spot to speak with her. Uh, do yourselves a favor. Leah, plug the social. Where can everybody check out uh you talking about I don't know what 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 do you talk about on Twitter, Leah? On Twitter, it just it's just whatever I feel like. <laughs> some softball some random stuff but that is leah without an h cj21 and then follow me on tiktok leah cj12 that's where you gotta go for leah. you gotta get the tiktok yeah uh i'm, I'm almost need a tiktok just to just to, so you and i can I can see what's going on. Uh, Eric, you got a lot to plug, so plug it all away. Yeah, Eric Lopez, Zelo, uh, social media there, obviously with the In the Circle podcast. Uh, we do it twice a week, break down all the news in the softball, obviously D1 softball, writing about TV numbers, Oklahoma State, UCLA doing a nice number, beating head-to-head LSU women's basketball and men's college basketball. So that's always good to report on that. And uh, obviously do broadcast on ESPN Plus, doing UCF softball games. And I'll be in Clearwater uh, covering the big tournament this weekend. So I, I'm going to be all over the place. A lot of hats, but, you know, it's a fun time of year. Very exciting. All right, Amanda Scarborough coming up. Thank you to Leah and Eric. We will talk to you guys again next week. Everybody stick around. Amanda Scarborough interview. Fantastic stuff. Let's get to it. No matter what you're cheering your team on for this weekend, whether it's men's or women's basketball, softball, baseball, tennis, make sure you're doing it while wearing gear from Charlie Hustle. Official sponsor here on the 1012 podcast and for the 1012 network, Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel with more than 30 schools to choose from. That includes every current Big 12 team except Cincinnati. Just keep tweeting at them, folks. They've got Colorado as well. They got t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, varsity jackets. In some cases, they got kid stuff. They've got some sweatpants. If you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, they've got you covered as well. You can celebrate that Super Bowl win. So go to charliehustle.com. Use the promo code 101215, T-E-N-1215, for 15% off all non-sale items. They have something for every single Big 12 fan. You're going to find something you love. You're going to find something you want. You're going to find something you're going to want to rock and wear all season long. So go to charliehustle.com today. Fill up that cart. Don't forget that promo code 101215, T-E-N-1215, 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Honestly, outside of the postseason, I think it's the biggest event in college softball every year. ESPN hosts the Clearwater Invitational. I mean, the best teams in college softball outside of Oklahoma typically show up to this every single year. This year, three Big 12 teams will be in attendance participating. Oklahoma State, who's been there for every single year of this event. Texas and UCF, who obviously won't have have to travel too far. And so this felt like something that was worth previewing. We're very excited. I'm very excited because I've been wanting to have this person on as a guest for some time. Amanda Scarborough of ESPN is one of two people, herself and Mark Neely, who will actually be calling at least one game for every Big 12 team. Amanda, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for covering this tournament. You um, described it perfectly. It really does feel like the World Series in February, and we get such a good look at all these teams so early, and then we can see how they end up come May and June at the Women's College World Series, maybe even. I mean, it, it's also like I know this is technically the second week of the season, but this kind of feels like the unofficial kickoff because you get so many marquee matchups, so many ranked matchups between programs that we're used to seeing, not just in the postseason, but in Oklahoma City on an annual basis. ESPN puts a lot of, of energy and effort on this. It's across ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN USC Network. Like it's it's everywhere. Every game is is available to be viewed if you, you know, have ES, the ESPN package. And so it feels like a big kind of college softball kickoff and like, okay, we're really here. We're really doing this. Yeah, I think that if you're a softball fan, you should just clear your entire weekend. We get going on Thursday, uh, get a comfortable seat um, in your house or, you know, wherever you outside, join the beautiful weather and just post up and watch. I think it's 40 games in four days. Um, so if you're a softball fan, this tournament is for you and you're just, it's just going to be a packed weekend. I, I cannot wait. And it always has such good games. Like the games just... Now, I don't want to jinx it, right? But the games never <laughs> let us down there. They're such good games. So I truly can't wait to to be there and, and just get going Thursday morning. You and Mark Neely, who Big 12 fans should know, as he does a lot of Big 12 basketball games as well, uh, working together this year, you have 12 games you're going to be calling across this weekend. How do you prepare yourself to cover, I mean, 12 games, that many different teams? Yeah, honestly, this has been one of the biggest challenges in my broadcasting career because I've never had 12 games in four days before. So that's four days of a triple header. Um, Usually I feel like I only have a triple header that middle day of regionals. So like the Saturday of regionals and even that one day in a regional feels like a lot with three games. So to have that times or four days in a row is going to be challenging. And my prep started um, February 1, actually. So a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to start getting ready for all of this because, you know, it makes it even more challenging is the turnover and the transfer portal and uh, changing conferences, (laughs) like the big 12 adding just to keep up with everything that's going on. um, Nevertheless, the returners that are back, it just, um, it's a lot. So 12 team or excuse me, 13 teams that I'm prepping for. There's three that I don't cover, uh, but we've had coach calls with every single head coach of every single team, uh, getting the low down on their team and trying to bring you the best stories and get to know these teams and the players and what they're all about for this 2024 season. 
Well, I'm not going to ask you about all 13 today, uh, just the three Big 12 <laughs> schools that we're obviously focused on, Oklahoma State, Texas, and UCF. Uh, I kind of want to go one by one. Let's start with with Oklahoma State. That's the first Big 12 team you'll call. Uh, you actually have two OSU games on Friday against Georgia and Saturday against LSU. Oklahoma State, a lot of questions entering this season and then had, I think, a pretty solid week one when you go on the road to UCLA and, and run rule them in five innings at their home field. What is your view on Oklahoma State entering this weekend? Do, do you feel more confident in them after last weekend, or do you still have a lot of questions that you want them to answer? Yeah, I definitely feel more confident in them after last weekend. I don't, I think like any weekend to go 5 and 0 on college softball and not drop at least one game, kind of like what UCF did to UConn this weekend. I mean, it's hard to go undefeated in one weekend in our sport. And it just, it feels like with the parity and how, Every team just gets better and better. Like to go undefeated really says a lot about your team. And so especially with all the questions that Oklahoma State had in literally every aspect of their game, different defenders, um, different offensive lineup. I think the only thing that really wasn't going to be a question mark was their pitching staff with Lexi Kilfoyle and Kyra Acock returning. Um, but even just some new faces that we're going to be getting um, some extra innings this, this year, like Ivy Rosenberry. And then their freshman, Katie Cuts, I believe you say her last name. It's all blending mm -hmm. together, but um, the freshmen. And I mean, I thought that they, they really showed up like that. It really can go one way or the other. Like you just don't know what you're going to get. But I, I'm sure Kenny Gajewski is just thrilled with the way that their team hit, the way that their pitchers pitched. They only made two errors all weekend. Um, and to go into UCLA, I mean, UCLA clearly is going to have a bit of a down year this year is what it's looking like. But still to go onto their field and run rule them with a very young, more inexperienced team. That says a lot about Oklahoma State. I don't care what kind of year UCLA is having. It's hard to go and step on their field and play them. And Oklahoma State stepped up with that last win. So like I said, you've got two games you're going to call for OSU. Georgia on Friday, LSU on Saturday. Which one of those two are you most excited for, uh, just based off of the matchup and what you're hoping to see? I just have to say both. I mean, on, like I think that Georgia and LSU are – two very talented teams this year and they both return a lot they're very similar um the sec played really well opening weekend like collectively as a conference um they only lost five games all weekend and georgia and lsu played very very well so they're really similar with the way that they have deep pitching staff they return a plethora of hitters um, I'd give Georgia the edge offensively. So I think probably, I mean, if you just like really held me down and asked which game I'd most be looking forward to, it'd probably be that Georgia one. Um, Cause I want to see how Oklahoma state's returning pitchers, which they can rely on. They know about handle the Georgia hitters. I mean, Georgia's going to have one of the best offenses in the country, undoubtedly. And I want to be able to see, uh, we'll see if Lexi Kilfoyle gets that start. I think that's what makes tournaments so interesting in February before you enter conference is that you're playing five games in a weekend. All the opponents are challenging. Um, and so as a head coach, you have to plan out, you know, you know, you can't throw Lexi Kilfoyle for five games in the weekend. You have to plan out your weekend uh, for who else is going to get a start. If you're playing two games in one day, Lexi's not going to likely not going to start both. So uh, will she get the start against Georgia? Does he want to give it maybe to the freshman to see how she handles it? So that's always a question mark for for all the coaches who are playing this weekend is how they're going to handle their pitching staff um, to be able to take on these this mega schedule that they all have entering the weekend. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of run rules, uh, Texas 
handing UCLA a run roll. Texas handing UCLA at home their worst home loss ever, if I recall correctly, 16 to nothing. Uh, you will be calling their game against North Carolina. Look, we all, I think most people had high expectations for Texas this year. Um, is it fair to say that maybe we should should raise those expectations based off how they started the season, including two wins over UCLA? Yeah, I mean, they were already pretty high, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think that they are getting raised a little bit with a level of play that Texas came out with opening weekend. There was, especially on Friday, um, in that or in their first game against uh, UCLA, they played them twice. They the first game they only won by one run, even though to me watching it, I thought that Texas looked a lot different than UCLA. So it's one of those scores that is three, two on paper, but I just thought Texas had such a good handle of the game. I never really doubted that if UCLA was going to come back personally watching it, but like to see from the first game, how everything was clicking. I mean, their bats were so good. Their pitching staff looked so sharp. They were playing good defense. Tegan Kavan came out, their freshman pitcher, and just was lights out against UCLA. And that's not an easy position to be put in as a freshman playing at UCLA. And and at that point, you don't know if your team's going to show up offensively. You don't. You're, you're a freshman. You don't know anything. You don't know that UCLA is having a little bit of a down year. Like you don't know any of that. And she came out and just introduced herself to the entire country. So major props to her with the outing that she had. Um, and then just the bats, like, uh, I mean, their offense is the real deal. Reese Atwood was just named national player of the week. Um, she had 12 RBIs, three home runs, hit 733 on the weekend. I mean, Texas as a team hit 458. So with that type of run support, their pitchers are going to be able to give up some runs, but their pitching staff all returns and they add Tegan Kavan. And it's a very deep pitching staff with a lot of different looks. Yeah, Texas was, I mean, I, I'm not sure there's a team that impressed me more in week one than Texas. And obviously they're going to have plenty of opportunities again this weekend to impress, including the game against North Carolina on Saturday that you're on the call for. What about this game, this matchup, are you most excited to see? I just want to see, because, you know, Texas has a tough schedule and you could look at their schedule and see that UNC is probably their quote unquote supposed to be easiest game, right? They play Tennessee. Stanford, UNC, Kentucky, and Northwestern. Of those opponents, I would think UNC is the one that uh, the family members or you as a team, you're looking at the schedule and like, oh, UNC is not as good, but they're reloaded, new coaching staff for UNC and a completely different look. They even went 5-0 and on the weekend too. So I'm most interested to see how Texas handles that quote-unquote down game. And I think that that's a way that you can tell a great team. Do they approach UNC the same way that they do Tennessee? Do they approach UNC the same way that they do Stanford, where they might be facing the best pitcher in the country and Nyjah Kennedy? Or how will that game pan out? Can they keep the same intensity? Can they keep the same approach in the game plan against UNC is probably the very biggest thing that I'm looking for is a consistency from this team. All right. Last thing we got to talk about is UCF. Obviously, they're not traveling very far from Orlando. Uh, they, I love that UCF is in this event. I love that they tend to challenge themselves, the non-conference, and continue to do so this year, even though they have entered into the Big 12, which is a more difficult conference from a softball standpoint than AAC. That's a step up in competitions, but they have still challenged themselves. Obviously, they dropped that one game against UConn. It was a little bit of a just the, that single little mark against what was a, a good opening weekend. What have you seen from UCF so far 
that kind of thinks you how do you feel about them as they enter the Big 12 this year? You know, I like the fact that they have a lot of different looks on their pitching staff. This is a very deep pitching staff that has seven or eight different arms on it um, that give a lot of different looks. And so when you don't know, like think about preparation, a three game series in the Big 12 or whatever conference that you're playing at, it makes it very difficult to prepare for the UCF pitching staff because you just don't know who is going to get the call on which night. Um, I think that Sarah Willis um, is just one of the best pitchers in the country when she is at her best. She is so dynamic, such a good athlete, has one of the best changeups in the country. So if I had to pick just one of the seven or eight pitchers on their staff to look out for, um, I'd go with her. I thought that she grew a ton last year. She came over from Washington, got to pitch a lot more at UCF, but kind of rose, I would say, is the ace on that staff. And and grew a lot. Um, Cindy Ball Malone even said that she um, came in as more of a thrower. She throws pretty hard and became more of a pitcher last year. So a lot of growth for Sarah Willis in the circle. Um, and then they also bring back just so much experience. I mean, I, I told Coach uh, Ball Malone that I was looking at her roster. I'm like, yes, I know that person, that one, that one. She's been here forever, that one, that one. So all this experience that they bring back, I think makes UCF um, a very formidable opponent going through this year. They had, I would say, more of a down year than they were expecting last year. 2022, they were just on such a high. They grabbed a national seed. They were wanting to make it to the World Series. I mean, after they grabbed that top 16 national seed in 2022, I think they fully expected, hey, our next step is Oklahoma City. Um, didn't make it, lost in regionals, didn't even make it to super. So I feel like this experienced team has experienced the highs. And they've experienced a little bit of the lows. I mean, to make the, the, the tournament is a feat in itself, of course, but for what maybe their expectations were um, and what they know they're capable of. So I'm interested to see just how UCF does with all this experience and really lofty goals of, of making it to the World Series with this team that has so many athletes and returners. So you'll be calling the game between UCF and UCLA. That's on Sunday night. It's the second to last game of the tournament. It's going to be all alone in its own window. It'll be on ESPN. So this is a huge opportunity for UCF to face off against a UCLA team who's, I mean, licking their wounds after this past weekend and has a difficult slate. Usually they'll actually play North Carolina and then turn around and play UCF. What about this UCF-UCLA matchup excites you the most? Well, I think that UCF has a real opportunity. I mean, I, I don't mean to be too hard on UCLA. It's just like when people were thinking about the highs and lows of last weekend, UCLA was in the conversation for the lows of the lows of how they played last weekend. So the opportunity is there for UCF. You mentioned it. This is one of the two games that is on ESPN1. It's going to be UCF. Uh, UCLA, and then followed by Florida State and Tennessee, like just headliner games to cap the weekend. And so you, as a player, you feel that like, and you try not to play bigger or uh, coach differently, right? In that game, but you do know that that game is on ESPN. You have a chance to make an impression on everybody who is watching, especially against the team that has the most national championships in our sport, UCLA. But with how UCLA is playing, UCF has a big opportunity to make a name for itself to go and get a big win against UCLA. So I think that's why I'm most excited just based off of last weekend, how things panned out. This is a big time opportunity for UCF. I'm just going to ask, how do you feel like these three teams are going to perform this weekend? Do you feel like all three will come away feeling good? Or if anyone's going to have a tough weekend, which of those three do you think it will be? 
Oh, good question. Because, you know, Texas, um, I think lost every game here uh, two years ago, I believe it was. And then they ended up making it to the the champ series against OU when they were the national runner up. So um, that took me and everybody else by surprise. The fact that Texas didn't win a game here a couple of years ago. Um, looking at these schedules, um, I would say UCF has the most to lose. Uh, because they're playing North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Northwestern, and UCLA. Both like those teams are more so, especially UNC, Wisconsin, and Northwestern. They're reloading. They lost a lot, a lot of questions about their program. So, I think UCF has the most to lose in terms of the teams that they're playing, and they're now in the conversation of um, should be winning those games. But UCF now has you know the bigger target on their back, so those teams are going to be running at them. But um, that would probably be the team that I would say I'm interested to see how they show up, if they can handle these teams that um, they're expected to beat now. Amanda, I really appreciate your time. I am I am thrilled for this weekend. I know you're thrilled for this weekend. I'm sure you're ready to stop preparing and doing interviews <laughs> and stuff and ready to just go call some softball games. Yeah, I feel like the teams in January, they're just so over-practicing and can't wait for that opening weekend where they just get to go out and actually play somebody else other than like their own teammates. And that's how I kind of feel like over prepping Like I'm just over all of that, ready to get out and play and call some games and can't wait for it. It'll be awesome. Like I said, going to be a great weekend. Everything's on ESPN. One of the ESPN channels. Excited to hear your call on all four of those big 12 related games. Good luck to you and have a good time. You got it. Thanks for having me. Podcast Network.